Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. A podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. We've got another short episode for you today. I'm not going to review the match against Bologna. We already reviewed that match in the latest episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide with our special guest Daniel Bowen, so be sure to check that one out. We'll do only two parts today. In part one, we'll review Napoli Femenile's match on Sunday against Inter, and in part two, we'll go back to the men's game and check in on our competition and how they did in round 26. So let's start with Napoli Femenile. Like I said, they played against Suning's Inter on Sunday. Inter came into this match on a bit of a high after defeating Hellas Verona 1-0 in their previous match. We were coming off yet another loss to Sassuolo, and we were still missing a number of key players. Goalkeeper Catalina Perez and forwards Eleonora Goldini and Depi Chatsi Nicolau were all out injured. And we were also without Martina Fuzzini, who tested positive for covid so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Inter started the exact same squad that they fielded in that 1-0 win over Hellas Verona in their previous match. I thought they might have rotated a bit for this match. Napoli is at the bottom of the table and Inter have their first leg of their Coppa Italia semi-final against Milan coming up on the weekend. Inter lined up in a 4-3-3. Chiara Marchitelli started in goal. Julie De Beaver and Lisa Arbogetti started at centre-back. Martina Brustia started at left back and Beatrice Merlo started at right back. Marta Pandini started in the center of the midfield with Yorelli Rincon to her left and Anna Catelli to her right. Gloria Marinelli started on the left wing, Stefania Terenzi started on the right wing, and Ilaria Mauro started at striker. For Napoli, Andrea Pistolesi made four changes to the squad that he fielded against Sassuolo. 
He lined up in his usual 4-3-3 with Sabrina Tasselli starting again in goal. Alexandra Hewn and Guomi Arnatodir started at center back. Elisabetta Oliviero moved over to left back. And Federica Caffarata returned to start over Martina Fuzzini at right back. Pistolesi shuffled up the midfield as well. Vivian Beal started in the center of the midfield for this match, pushing Sara Houche to the left and moving Emma Eriko over to the right. And that meant that Lara Pedersen was back on the bench. Up top, Jenny Hillman started again on the left wing, but Evi Popadinova returned to start over Vlada Kubasova on the right wing. And finally, Izota Noki started as a false nine over our regular striker Pia Riesdijk. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's talk about the match. Neither side created much in the opening 20 minutes of the match. It was Inter that got the first legitimate chance and it came on the counter-attack. The play started with Pandini intercepting Hillman's pass at the top of the Inter box. She carried out to about midfield before playing Marinelli forward. She carried into the Napoli half before playing Mauro through on the left side of the box. Mauro carried to the byline and cut the ball across the face of the goal but no one was there to receive it. The ball rolled through to Merlo on the opposite side of the area. She crossed to Marinelli at the back post but her shot missed the target. I thought Pandini was Inter's best player in this match. She seemed to be involved in just about every positive action for Inter. We had our first chance only minutes later. Saru Huche played a gorgeous long ball from about midfield to send Popedinova clear, but Marchitelli anticipated the long ball so when Popedinova got the shot off, Marchitelli was already at the top of the box to make the save. Popedinova had a second chance on the rebound, but Marchitelli stopped that as well. Inter came close again at the half-hour mark. Terenzi crossed from the right wing to Mauro in the area. She put her header on target, but Tasselli pushed the shot over the bar. Again, Tasselli played well, especially in the first half, filling in for Perez. Admittedly, this wasn't the most entertaining of matches. Neither side created much in the attack, and the next scoring chance didn't come until the 67th minute. Rincon played a gorgeous long ball over the top to Marinelli, but all she could do was head the ball off the bounce so she didn't get too much power on the header and it was a comfortable save for Tasselli. Then our injury situation got worse. In the 70th minute, Cafrata had to be removed. She appeared to hurt either her left knee or her left calf on a tackle she made earlier in the match in the 60th minute. She tried to play through it, but eventually she had to be taken off. Then again, Tasselli made another save in the 71st minute, this time on a left-footed shot by Marinelli from the corner of the area, but again, it was a rather weak shot and not a difficult save to make. Inter had the greater chances in terms of quantity, but Napoli in the end had the greater chances in terms of quality. In the 78th minute, Eriko blocked an Inter clearance and in the process sprung Riesdijk. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to get there quickly enough. In fact, she collided with the Inter goalkeeper Marchitelli, who took a bit of a knock on the play, but she was able to play through the pain. The best chance of the match for either club came in the final minute of stoppage time when Napoli substitute Vlada Kubasova won a corner kick. Another substitute, Lara Pedersen, played a deep in-swinging cross to the far post. Hyun got a powerful header on the ball, but Marchitelli made a great reaction save to keep the ball out. That was the final touch of the match. Even though the ball went out for a corner kick, the match official blew the final whistle, and this match ended in a nil-nil draw. Even though it was only a draw for a team that was on four points, that was still an important result. San Marino picked up a draw in their match against Florentia on Saturday, so this point ensured that we remained only four points back of them, which means we remained only four points back of safety. 
There are seven games remaining this season for Napoli to make up those four points on San Marino in order to survive. Pistolesi and Sara Huche touched on that in their post-match interviews. Pistolesi said we deserve to win, we created more than Inter and played an excellent match. The girls reacted very well to yesterday's results, showing that they want to hit the target with all their strength. We are getting closer and closer to the turning point, now two home games await us, and I am convinced that the month of March will put us in a position to place the final sprint towards safety. Sara Huche said we have shown that we deserve a better classification, but for this reason, there is also a bit of anger because we could have hit the three points. Let's start from here, all aware that the road is the right one. I also personally feel at the center of the project, I like to drag my companions along. A great team spirit has been created, which will be decisive in this season finale. We'll have a week off for the Coppa Italia semi-finals, and then return to action on March 20th to play against Florentia. The big match is in round 19 against San Marino, so hopefully we can make up some ground before then. If we can, then we'll be in control of our own destiny. So that will do for part 1. In part 2, we'll return to Serie A and recap the top matches from match day 26. <laughs> Lontana buona notte rena, vicina a chi ne vena. I prova a non pensare, ma tu stai sempre qua. Non c'ho resa è portata stupenda, e a me non resta niente. Two, we'll check in on the clubs at the top of the table. Heading into this round, we were sitting in 7th place if you include Lazio's win on the table, otherwise we'd be in 6th. Inter were top of the table on 59 points, 6 points clear of Milan. Juve and Atalanta were tied on 46 points, and Roma were in 5th, 3 points ahead of us on 47 points. The first big match of the round was on Saturday when Lazio visited the Allianz to play Juventus. Despite starting with Ronaldo on the bench, Juve pulled off an impressive 3-1 victory. Joaquin Correa scored the opening goal of the match, but Juve responded with goals from Adrian Rabiot and Alvaro Morata. This was a really entertaining match. Lazio got off to a bright start and they were clearly the better side for the better part of the first half. It seemed like Juve would eventually have to bring Ronaldo in because they couldn't seem to get into any kind of rhythm. It didn't take long for Lazio to open the scoring. Only 14 minutes into the match, Dejan Kulusevski played a really poor back pass straight to Correa. He spun Mehdi Demiral with a couple of stepovers before cutting to his right 
right foot and firing through the morale's legs and into the bottom corner. Lazio really only had themselves to blame. They had a number of chances throughout the match that they didn't take. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic had a free kick in the 8th minute that he bent around the wall but just barely missed the top corner. Later in that half, he had a bending effort that hit the target, but Wojtek Szczesny got across to push it out. Milinkovic Savic also had a ridiculous header in the second half with his back to goal, but it hit the bar and stayed out. Mohamed Fadez had his share of chances, starting in place of the injured Manuel Lazzari. On three separate occasions, he ran straight at the Juve backline, and he did well to create the shot, but all three times he missed the target. Lazio were also the beneficiaries of some curious decisions by the official. Early on, Wesley Holt appeared to foul Alvaro Morata, who might have been clear on goal, but the foul wasn't given. Then midway through the first half, Holt clearly handled the ball in the area, and the penalty wasn't given either. I know Chiesa has a reputation, but that's why we have the VAR. But Davide Massa, who was on the VAR, didn't give it either. That said, Juve did get a favorable decision as well. In the 35th minute, Alexandro appeared to give Correa a blatant forearm or elbow to the back of the head. That should have been a straight red card, but somehow Sandro wasn't even shown a yellow. It was like DiBello was refereeing this match the way it should have been called 30 years ago, which is how I wish the game was called, but it was not consistent with how the game is called these days. Juve grew into the half and by the end of the half they were the ones creating all the chances. Moments after Federico Bernardeschi missed a wide open header, Adrian Rabiot scored an absolutely stunning strike from the left side of the goal. Morata played Rabiot through and he smashed his shot into the roof of the goal at the near post. Pepe Reina was caught leaning to his left expecting the low shot to the far post, but even if he knew where that shot was going, it would have been difficult to stop. Juve were clearly the better side in the second half. They were denied yet another penalty when Morata went down in the area early in the half, though I don't think there was anything there. Before a review could even be completed, Juve went ahead. Once again, Federico Chiesa showed his heart and hustle on this play. He chased Lazio out of the Juve box and got to the ball before Gonzalo Escalante. Just like that, Chiesa and Morata were 2v1 versus Hoot. Chiesa played the Spaniard through and he did the rest. Morata's shot was not dissimilar to Rabiot's shot on his goal, just from a less acute angle. He fired with his left foot past Reina and into the top corner. Only minutes later, Juve finally got their penalty. Linkovic Savage fouled Aaron Ramsey in the area. This was a really poor foul to commit. Ramsey was running toward the corner flag, so there's absolutely no need to foul him in that part of the pitch. Does that mean Milinkovic Savage is not a good player? Of course not. Sometimes good players just make bad plays. It happens. With Ronaldo on the sidelines, Morata took the penalty and very confidently beat Reyna to double Juve's lead. That was pretty much the final blow. Juve are so hard to play against when they have a lead. Imagine being Lazio down 3-1 and then Cristiano Ronaldo comes off the bench. Ironically, a lot of people realized after this performance that there is life after Ronaldo for Juve. This was one of, if not the best, team performance from Juve all season, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that when Ronaldo is on, the plan is to constantly look for him and give him the ball, but when he's not playing, players tend to have a bit more freedom. On the other side of the pitch, Chiro Immobile is in a real funk. He'll need to break out of that soon if Lazio want to finish in the top four. The other big match was the final match of the round between the two Nerazzurri clubs. Inter won 1-0 on a goal from Milan Skriniar. That was a bit of a surprising result considering that these are the two highest scoring clubs in Serie A. 
but both sides defended really well. I thought Christian Romero had an excellent match at the back for Atalanta. We know how difficult it is to mark Romelu Lukaku, but Romero did an excellent job of it. He made a number of really important and perfectly timed tackles, including one on Lautaro early in the match. Romero also made a beautifully timed tackle on Lukaku in the second half. Just when it looked like Lukaku had broken free on goal, Romero came flying in from behind and made a nice clean tackle on the ball. Brad Jim City also did well in helping to shut down Lukaku. They were getting to balls quickly, making interceptions, and blocking shots. At the same time, Romero nearly scored an own goal as well. In the 14th minute, Lukaku pressured Romero into playing a pass back to Marco Sportiello that ended up being more like a shot than a pass. Fortunately for Atalanta, Sportiello reacted well and managed to head the ball out of play. Inter had a similar scare at the back after Samir Handanovic played a risky pass to Arturo Vidal in his own box. Raymond Freuler played a clever slide tackle on the left side of Vidal in anticipation of the pass. He managed to block the pass but the ball rolled harmlessly wide of the goal. I was a little bit surprised to see Vidal starting over Christian Eriksen. Atlanta had the best chance in the first half about 5 minutes before the break. The chance came from a corner kick. Duvan Zapata got up and put a powerful header on target, but Handanovic was quick to react and keep the ball out. Inter opened the scoring in the second half from a corner kick of their own. The ball bounced around in the area before falling to Skriniar, and he finished like a striker would, tucking his shot into the side netting at the far post, leaving Sportiello no chance to make the save. Atalanta had most of the ball for the balance of the match and they created a number of chances but other than a Luis Muriel shot that Handanovic stopped at the near post, Atalanta never really tested the Inter keeper. Zapata had a chance and narrowly missed the goal about midway through the half but despite taking only 5 shot attempts and hitting the target only once, Inter managed to hold on for the victory. After the match they celebrated in the locker room as if they had already won the Scudetto with a 6 point lead. Inter are now strong favorites to win it all, but there's still plenty of work to be done. Moving on, Roma played Genoa in the early match on Sunday. Roma continued their excellent run against clubs in the bottom half of the table, winning 1-0 on a goal from Gianluca Mancini. Kevin Struman started for Genoa, which was his first match against his former club since he moved to Marseille. This wasn't exactly the most entertaining of matches, neither side created many chances. Roma had two clear-cut chances in the first half, scoring on the first, Lorenzo Pellegrini played in the corner kick and Gianluca Mancini rose up to head past Mattia Perin. The second chance came only a few minutes later when Pedro let fly from well outside the area, but Perin made a very nice save. Pedro got his first start since before Christmas, after recovering from a muscle injury, which then allowed Henrik Mkhitaryan to have a bit of a rest. You would think Genoa would come out of the break with more energy considering they needed to score. That may have been because of the midweek round of fixtures. Genoa did get forward, but other than a shot from distance from Gianluca Scamacca, they never really came close to scoring. In fact, Roma had the best chance of the half. Roma countered after Mihazac thought he was fouled in the midfield, but the foul wasn't given. Roma broke on the counter with Gonzalo Villar. He took on Ivan Radovanovic, but his shot, which may have taken a slight touch off Radovanovic, hit the outside of the upright and stayed out. That's really all that was worth reporting in this match. As a Napoli fan, it was certainly frustrating to see Genoa, a team that took three points from us, play so poorly against one of our Champions League rivals. 
We saw a similar story play out between Milan and Hellas Verona. Again, a Verona team who took three points from us not too long ago did not show up at all against another Champions League rival. Milan are further ahead of us than Roma are, but given their injury situation and the way they've been dropping points lately, they easily could drop back into that pack of clubs vying for a Champions League position. Just like Genoa, Verona suffered defeat. Milan won 2-0 on goals from unexpected sources in Rade Krunic and Diogo Dalot. Verona were actually the better side in the opening quarter of the match, and I thought to myself the only way Milan are going to score in this match was from another penalty kick. Other than Rafael Leal, Milan did not have any attacking threats. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Antti Rebic, and Hakan Cholonoglu all sat this one out. Pioli rotated other positions as well, starting both Samu Castillejo and Alexis Salamakers on the wings. Soelijo Mieta in the double pivot, Diogo Deloa at left back, and Fikayo Tomori at center back. Even though Verona had most of the ball in the opening quarter, Milan had the best chance. Davide Calabria played a gorgeous cross into the area for Rafael Leal, but Leal could not keep his header down. Then Milan went ahead after a moment of brilliance from Krunic. Krunic won a free kick at the edge of the area. With all of Milan's regular set-piece specialists out of the squad, Krunic got the opportunity to take the free kick, and he made the most of it. The shot dipped and bent inside the top corner and into the side netting at the far post. Marco De Silvestri had absolutely no chance to save that shot. Verona never really recovered from that goal, while Milan seemed to get better and better as the match wore on. Milan got off to a bright start in the second half and it wasn't long before they added a second. Milan played directly through the midfield before Salamakers passed to Dalot at the top of the box. It looked to me like the pass was intended for Leal, but he let it run on to Dalot. Dalot let it run on as well to set up the shot and to destroy Federico Ceccherini's ankles in the process. Like Krunic, Dalot picked the top corner, leaving De Silvestri little chance to make the save. That was his first career goal in Serie A. Ivan Juric responded by immediately replacing Matias Zakani and Antonin Barak, who are usually key parts of Verona's attack, but neither of them did much in this match. Verona finally started to push forward, especially in the final 15 minutes of the match. Federico Di Marco, Ceccherini, and Davide Faraoni all came close to scoring. Di Marco and Ceccherini both missed the target, and Faraoni's header was cleared off the line by Krunic, who was guarding the post on the corner kick. In the end, Milan got a huge win to stay alive in the Scudetto race and to maintain their narrow cushion over all the other clubs that are chasing them down. So Inter remained 6 points clear of Milan at the top of the table, Juve are now 3 points clear of Atalanta on 52 points, and Roma surpassed Atalanta as well, they are now on 50 points. We are now only 2 points back of Atalanta and only 4 points back of Roma, who currently hold the final Champions League spot. And even if Lazio keep their three points on the table, they will remain in seventh. So that will do for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. Or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. We'll be back later in the week to preview the big match against Milan, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Yeah.
Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.